My guest today is the incredible and inspirational Edienne. Edienne is a high jeweler, having founded her jewelry house in Paris in 2003 after a major life-changing epiphany. Today, Edienne holds her place alongside the world's centuries-old fine jewelry houses. She's had international exhibitions, much coverage, and many accolades. Unlike many of the big names who deploy vast marketing budgets, Edienne's approach is unique, like the pieces she creates. Her clients meet her through word of mouth. After many hours getting to know them, she creates unique pieces which are like works of art, celebrations of the personal stories of her clients. Edienne says her ambition is to bear witness to the exceptional in each of us. However, the real story of Edienne, behind her international renown and the breathtaking beauty of her work, started many years ago when she was in her 40s. Edienne was a successful businesswoman and she had no thoughts of becoming a jeweler. But after getting divorced, losing most of her money, she decided to go diving and had a road to Damascus moment when she understood viscerally that her purpose was to bear testimony to the world by becoming a jeweler. We discuss her incredible story, this moment of radical change in her life, and why we all need to feel the fear and embrace it because surprises await us. You are listening to Double Espresso with D, with me, D Sterling. I love a great story. So in this season, I will talk to incredible people who've experienced huge, pivotal moments of real change, by choice or by circumstance. From stories of reinvention and inspiring career pivots, to the dramatic shifts that happen in moments of crisis, I hope you can join us each week to hear about their fascinating and inspiring journeys. Welcome to Double Espresso with Dee. It gives me huge pleasure to welcome my guest and dear friend, Edienne, to the show. Hi, Edienne. Hello, Dee. So nice to see you. So, Edienne, you are Canadian, but today a resident of Paris. You have been through much change in your life. And some years ago, when you were in your 40s, you were having a difficult time. Uh, you were separating from your husband. Uh, it was very challenging and you decided to go and have a change of scene and went diving in Lago Maggiore in Italy. Take me to that point. What happened? Uh, well, uh, it's really, in fact, it's a milestone in my life. So my new boyfriend at that time just asked me if I would like to dive, but I never dived in my life before. And because I was bankrupt by my husband, who has been crooked, I had no money. So instead of going to the Caribbean islands, because I don't have the money, enough money for that, we went to the Lake Maggiore. And you don't dive in the, lake, in the lake because it's too dark. So you dive in the river, which flows in the lake. So you put the car five kilometers far in, from the lake, and then you put a suit on and a bottle on your back because it's very, very cold. So you have to go within 50 meters high cliff. You go down with the bottle on your back. And if you're not dead, at the bottom of it, then you dive into 15 to 20 meters deep of water. And it's absolutely gorgeous because you see how this canyon has been done through all those centuries. It's very wonderful. 
But after 20 minutes of diving, some divers passed by. They lifted up the dust. I was unable to see my own hand in front of my mask. So without knowing it, without expecting it, I went to the top of the river within a few seconds. So I was sick. I was in a bad shape. You got um, dizzy, right, because you came up too, too quickly because of the dust, right? So my instructor finally found me because my head went out from the water. I was uh, stuck in this in the stream within those cliffs. And he said, you have to go dive again. You have to go dive again. And I just want to get out from there. And But because I'm a scientist in my former life, I understood that, unfortunately, I have to go down again to recover. So I was so scared, even though I went down again. And when I was at the bottom of the river, I felt so well. It was so stunning for me that I turned around at this precise moment. The sun was behind the tree at the top of the cliff, making a refraction phenomenon. And I was surrounded by a rainbow, turning all the stones underneath me into fake sapphires, rubies, emerald. And I said, this is a, a sign. I will be a jeweler. I took the gold stone, I put it in my suit, and two weeks later, I was at the gemology school to make my gemology studies. I mean, just absolutely incredible. I mean, that really was an epiphany, right? Because you, from that point, changed your life and you took control uh, because you you were able to make a decision, right? You, even though your situation was desperate, you were able to take a step right? Showing that you had agency, what we would say, agency over your life. So again, starting over can feel overwhelming, right? Starting over from a relationship, starting over in a career, reinventing oneself. It can feel terrifying, frankly, at any point in life, right? But can feel literally like diving. You were diving into the unknown. (laughs) How did you go about it? Because it's one thing to say, okay, I'm going to I'm going to be this or I'm going to be that or I'm going to live in this place or that place. But it's another to actually do. How did you get yourself back to Paris and go, right, off I go? You sign up to school. What was the next step? Of course, it's scary. As you said, terrifying you know, to do something new. But it, we say so when we are, we are out of the situation. Because what we forget to say, it is when you live something like this, you also have so much pleasure so much fun. And I would say that it is the fun and the pleasure, the happiness, unexpected, fulfill you. So it makes you happy. And somehow, somewhere, you are anxious to be tomorrow, just to play again. And I think that we get blind with this pleasure. That's how we go further. So some point, Suddenly you say, oh my gosh, I don't have money. I have to do something else. So in fact, I can have an evening and I say, well, 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 the pleasure is great, but I have to earn money. I have my two kids and you have to answer to my new problem. But your subconscious will find uh, um, an answer for it. You know what? It's so interesting what you say because, you know, a lot of the psychologists talk about excitement and being in a place of excitement right so when you're in that place of excitement it's where you shine literally where you are at your best being your best and using your skills your special magic powers I would call them right and then discover ourselves in a new uh, way of thinking of doing of acting 
What did you, during this time, discover about you and who you are? I would say that I am closer and closer and closer of who I am. Who I am, really. And of course, it was such a surprise to discover that, well, I can say so, I'm an artist. An artist, you know, for me to say that I'm an artist, it is the same at the, since only a couple of years. I wasn't able to say it from myself because I considered that, like, tell me that I'm, I'm handsome, I'm a, a beautiful woman. You cannot say so. It's only you wait for people to tell you, oh, you are really gorgeous. And, oh, okay. Which you are, and it's of course. For artists. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, it's the same. I can. I was unable to say for myself, "You are an artist," because for me, it's a, a, a qualification. It determines you, so I cannot say it from myself. But now, no, no, I consider that I can really say I'm an artist. And an artist, for me, the definition, and we need in our humanity right now, which is completely mess. We need more and more artists. Couldn't agree more. The artists give back what how they see this world. And we need it to not only talk about uh, money or COVID now, hmm, the second subject, uh, but to talk about the world, humanity, love, hate, everything, everything. So I discovered that it was my gift. When I do my exhibition, and I always bring back pieces from my clients with, in the exhibitions. So I'm telling through my storytellers the stories underneath every pieces. So my client's story. And um, of course, the people who, are, who see the exhibition, they are always crying because I'm talking about life. You're talking about life and real life, right? And did you see or experience that creativity in yourself and that potential before you had that epiphany? Did it manifest itself in your former life? Oh, yes, from the beginning. Because at four, my, my father put me in the paintings uh, uh, courses uh, after that uh, I play piano, I play uh, flute traversière, I sew dresses, coats, I wrote plays, I directed uh, actors to make plays, and uh, I draw. So I made so much things, and I was still working as a businesswoman. And also, I mean, you're a polymath because you're able to fit in all these things, and probably those elements of your life are what gave you energy. So, Edian, coming back to this new road that you're on, you know, you um, went through transformative experiences. You were not in your home country and um, you broke into an industry which is known for its closed doors, its exclusivity. It is actually very male dominated as well. What were the biggest challenges to you in the early years of becoming the fine jeweler that you are today? The first one, it was believing in myself. So it took me time to recognize that, in fact, I was good and I was a good jeweler. So it took me time. So that was the harder part. After that, uh, I think that I was quite blind, believing that I can be in this business. And in fact, it is only with men. It's a man business. It's a man business. Can I say something, though, to that point? Sometimes, almost not knowing right? Or being naive in a good way about something can help you, right? Because you have a childlike vision of where you want to go. And you're just not going to have all those blocks 
in front of you because you don't see them, right? Yeah. And I think that a part of our subconscious also hide those blocks because you know somewhere, you know somewhere, but even though you go straight ahead. So that's why I took the butterflies as a symbol of my life because even if snowing or raining, they're going toward. So it's the same. Sometimes I was blind or deaf and say, okay, no, 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 I will go straight ahead. And um, I discovered at the same time that, you know, the people from the business, they told me, the, the, so the, the feedback was, I made, and I still make jewels, very feminine. And uh, some of the uh, great guy from Christie's in Geneva, he said well, eight years ago uh, at the, to a journalist that um, in the end, she's the proof that the woman knows better than a man what woman wants to wear. And in fact, I think that what I discovered, it was, it was genuine. I was genuine to design what I feel from there, not from there. It doesn't work when you create from there. And obviously the butterflies are a theme in a lot of your work. So Edian, here we have the butterfly ring. Can you describe that for us? It's so beautiful. So you have four butterflies. They are all diamond paved. They are on my hand. You don't see the setting. You don't know how it stands. So you think that the butterflies, they will fly from my hand. So the way they, they are in my hand, it is uh, underneath on two fingers. So on two fingers. So the four butterflies are spread over my hand. And it's very easy to wear. Very easy to wear. Utterly stunning. So Etienne, the other challenge that we've talked about before in these early times, and frankly with any business that's that's building, was financial. How did you manage, you know, studying, launching, looking after your your children with everything that implies time-wise, financially, and so forth? How did you keep the show on the road? That was, uh, I think, the other harder part. Uh, because this business needs so much money, so much money. And I, I had no money and no money. And even today, I put everything in my in my uh, business. And, you know, I start at the beginning with uh, pearls, you know, selling pearls or small, small stones. And I get uh, higher and higher slowly. So I found a place here in, in Paris, so a museum, who wanted to show my, my work. But to compete the Place Vendôme, uh, she said that you, I must have a, at least 50 pieces and I, went, I was with no money. So I asked my best clients if they would like to subscribe to a contract. And so each one gave me money and this money was only to pay diamonds, the gold and the workshop and, and, and the taxes. So that means that those people, they were the owner of, of the piece, the subscriber. And the day I, I sold them, I give them back the money plus 30%. We were in the Madoff period at that time. So people were losing money. And me, I was giving 30%. And the bank, they say, you're completely crazy in the end. <laughs> so that's how I made pieces to show uh, the level of my work. Tell us about this creative process a bit more because, you know, you've told me so many stories because you're a storyteller effectively and you you through this process tell other people's stories whether it's you know a couple who want to show their love for one another or celebrate a moment in life or someone who wants to buy themselves gift themselves something exquisite tell me is there a special story you can share with us to illustrate that process 
Okay, so there's a, a story about um, a couple. So they met in the private equity, and uh, he was Italian, married with a French woman uh, who never understood him, you know, with uh, his uh, Italian behavior. Sherry, Sherry, come with me to Venice. <laughs> Amore. <laughs> and her, she was married with a, a narcissistic perverse. Oh, so we say a, a narcissist. So she was married with a narcissist. A narcissist, right? yeah. And believe me, he's really a real one. I met him. And during seven years, they were in French of each other. And during seven years, they were talking about how awful was their own marriage. And after seven years, he put his hand on the, her arm and he said, my gosh, I'm in love with you. Three months later, they were together with their own children. And the first thing he made, he asked me a piece for her. So for me, I made, um, it's a round ball of leaves because you can do nothing against uh, growing leaves. And it's, it's the same with love. So it's a round ball because it surrounded them too during seven years, uh, around them too. And uh, you can see through because uh, they, they saw nothing during, during all those years. But I'm quite sure that all the colleagues were always saying, oh my gosh, they are t- t- again together. And then the, the round ball, you, it's, it's a pendant, and uh, you can open it, and a, a tassel of uh, aquamarine uh, falls down from the, the round ball because their love was as clear as water. Oh, my God. So beautiful. this is the pendant. Did they cry when you gave it to them? Uh, of course they do. And after that, uh, because I really, really enjoyed this piece, uh, and I asked them if I can spread love over other people. So I have a language. And my clients, they ask for symbols from my language. Like the butterfly is tenacity and grace. The, the leaves are spreading love. Uh, the ivy leaves is commitment. And they ask for it. When you were 50, you had a party. And you love a party, as I know. And you invited lots of friends on a boat on the Seine. What happened next? <laughs> that was a great moment in my, li- in my life. So it was the first time I was here since a while. It was the first time that everybody was there. And I start, I told them on the mic why they were there on the boat on La Seine. And I start saying that I arrived in France sans personne, which means in English, in English without anyone. And now I am surrounded by sans personne, which is 100 people. And I told them where the, why they were there. And at the end of it, I said, okay, I found it took me 50 years to find the meaning of my, of my life. So for everyone now, forget my street name on my passport. And now my name is Eden. So I baptized myself at 50 for my second part of my life, Eden. And actually, it will be in my next passport, Canadian passport. So it will be recognized. Oh, my God. I'm so psyched about that. I'm so psyched. So can I ask you, and and by the way, I agree with you in terms of the people we meet in life. I often say, you know, and and it's a dear friend of mine who told me this and it's stayed with me ever since, but you meet people for a reason, a season, or for life. And it's a beautiful thing because even when you have a difficult experience, you know, you learn something, don't you? Even if that person's no longer in your life. So you wish them well on their own journey because we're all on our own paths. So that is a beautiful thing. Where did you come up with your name? Uh, where did that come from to change? It was invented 
by my grand-grandmother. And my grandmother, she passed away when she was 24. And for me, Eden, it's such a wonderful name. And it is close to Eden. And I make your dreams come true. So, you know, it gives meanings of what I'm doing for people. So Eden, Eden, and, uh, and I love this name. Totally. And touching so many hearts. No, it's so, such a beautiful name. It's such a name for you, right, in so many ways. So, Eden, today, you know, if we fast forward, uh, you've been declared one of the most important women in the history of jewellery since 1900. How does all that feel to you today? I will give you uh, an experience which will explain clearly how I feel. My first exhibition in Monaco, it was in 2009. And um, I had the half of the posters, you know, the, the publicity in Monaco. Half of them was with a post with me, with my face on a white background. And it was only written at the end, first stop Monaco. That's all. Everybody was wondering, who is this lady? She's too old to be uh, L'Oréal publicity, you know? It was very used, huh? <laughs> you know, it was four by three meters wide and, you know? And all my, my friends and my team was like, hey, how do you feel seeing yourself in Monaco streets like this, you know? And I say, I don't care. It's only one brick to construct my house. That's all. I'm always looking at how will look the end of my building, you know? So it's only construction. Because if you stay too long on something, being happy of yourself, you go backward. You know, you stagnate or go backwards. Yes. When you stagnate, you go backward. And the second you stagnate, you go backward. And it's so hard to start again, you know? So I'm not, you know, overwhelmed that much only a few seconds okay oh it's fun but that's all i have to think about tomorrow today in the world we're in what excites you the most you think about humanity in a really deep way usually you know we go through our life not thinking that much and so deeply about humanity but we have on one part and on the other what i will do what I will do with all the pandemic situation, about the vaccine, I want it, I don't want it. I believe in what the scientists or not and politics. And the, you know, it's the first time I think in my life that we are so crushed between topics. We all, all of us, all of us, we think about what we should be, should do, what will happen to ourselves, a our family, a tribe. And at the same time, where's the amenities going? So it's something special. It's something special. Special time. So COVID, I mean, if we just touch very briefly on that, it, it was a hard time, right? I mean, you you really had some challenges in the business. Tell me about that and how you overcame them. You know, I meet people only through someone and I wasn't able to see anyone. So it was very, very hard time. So for me, it was exactly the opposite of what I need to stay alive. And um, so I made a lot of things to stuff to still believe in myself, believe in my company, to see uh, what I can do or not. And I would say in March, I decided, no, I will never, ever close this house. It's impossible. I put so much in it. And I think that it is so fun for the client to live this experience, which, which is so far away from the one you, you, you live in the Place Vendôme. They do quite well. 
So just clarifying for those that don't know, Plus Ball knows where all the big names are, right? It's a very, because people have to find you, right? And then go on a journey with you effectively to, for you to create something for them. Because we talk about their life. So that's why it's quite different. I'm not talking only about the wallet, but I'm talking about your life. What have you done in the humanity, in, in this world? So, Adrian, you, um, you often say that in your life, everything that you've done in your life has helped you to become who you are today and to do what you do today, um, which is an incredible gift, right? And you're a total inspiration. What advice would you give someone who needs to make a change um, or someone who is in some way forced to reinvent themselves? What would you say to that person? We think that it's very hard to do it. But actually, when you, you have done it, you discover that it was so easy. You have to cut yourself from your head. You have to cut yourself from your environment, family, friends, all this. Of course, they will always be in the back of your head, always. But you have to think about what you have here in your heart, what you love in life, what you are good in, how you want to enjoy your life. Because when you do a work, you have to like it. You have to like it. And to listen to signs. You know, like one of my friends, he told me that the people are separate in two groups. One, they are always looking for a train passing by. And the other group, they will jump in the right one. In the right one. So in fact, when I discover all those tongues underneath, the, underneath me in the water, I say, this is, I have to listen to it. I love stones and I will work in this. Even I have no money, I'm a woman, I'm 45, I'm not, I'm a Canadian. There's no tradition in hygiene in Canada. And to always, always keep in mind, sky is the limit. We can do everything we want in this life. Even if you are married, you have kids, you have no money, sky is the limit. You can do everything. I couldn't agree more. I also think that we do get signs. Even when you meet someone, you get signs very early on, right? I mean, when we met, we just that was that, right? Friends for life. And I think you get information in situations, be it from individuals or from the environment. And if you're open, I think the environment can support you, you know? But I have one final, very unfair question to ask you. If you could make one piece for one person in the world, who would that be? And what might it be? I met a lot of people since I'm doing this. My life, it's absolutely incredible since 18 years. And in fact, you're right. Like, uh, for example, when we met, as soon as I saw you, within a few seconds, I knew I should work with you. It was clear. And uh, so, so I rewind. I met so incredible people. And uh, I, I would love to make something for Michelle Obama. I met her, and she's really, really, really something. She's really something. I cannot uh, explain how strong is this woman, how powerful is this woman, but the nice power, the positive power, She's so kind. She, when you are in front of her, nothing else exists. Nothing. I'm nothing. You are the one, even if it is for, for four minutes, you are the only one on, 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 the, on earth. She's really, really something. So, Adrian, 
thank you so much for being with me today. You are such an inspiration to me and to many. And um, I can't wait for the next adventures on the journey of EDN. <laughs> Pleasure. See you sooner. It's a special joy to interview your friends, and I feel so lucky to have talked to Edienne today. She has such an incredible vision and real grit to keep going, no matter what. I loved her insistence that we have to keep looking for experiences all the time, not watching the trains go past, but jumping on the right one when it comes along. That really resonated with me. And her epiphany at the bottom of the lake is just such a hypothetical train. But it's also a testament to the power of nature and how the answers are always there if only we were listening and looking. Nature plays a big part in her work, from the butterfly to ivy leaves and precious stones. And this links her own belief about trusting her instincts, thinking in her heart about what she wants to do with her life and how she wants to enjoy it. When you work, she says, you have to like it. You have to. What I really took away with me today was what she said about recognition and change, about how being recognised or winning awards is great, but it's only part of the construction of her house, her vision. It's one brick. It's simply part of the journey. If you stay too long on something, like being happy with yourself, you will stagnate or go back, she says. And so I'm taking this idea of moving forward into my week ahead, acknowledging the good and moving forward. Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on Double Espresso with D. Do connect with me on Instagram at D Double Espresso. I love hearing your feedback and what has resonated with you. And don't forget to join me next week for another amazing guest interview. Until then, au revoir.